When it comes to discussing our bodies, we often get a little uncomfortable. Women's health issues are often seen as off-limits, taboo topics we just don't talk about. It's time for that to change. Let's talk. Welcome to the Brave Mama podcast, where we are going to do exactly that. Discuss everything from periods to pregnancy, motherhood to menopause. No topic is off-limits. Join Stephanie Thompson, the brave mama and author of The Day My Vagina Broke, as she asks other brave women about their personal health challenges and triumphs. You will learn, laugh and cry as Stephanie finds out everything you wanted to know but were too afraid or embarrassed to ask. So, grab a cuppa and enjoy. Hello and welcome back to The Lowdown with Brave Mama. This is Steph Thompson, your host here, sharing with you a little sneaky bonus episode for season two. And we're sharing this with you today because, well, initially, this episode was only going to go out in our private Facebook group. And then after listening through after production, I was like, how can I not share this with everyone who tunes into this podcast? Because you might find some things in here that are really helpful for you as a parent in terms of how to start conversations about pelvic health with your own children. So this is why we're sharing it here with everyone today. And this kind of leads me on to the next thing. This bonus episode in particular doesn't have an allocated podcast partner, but one I'm about to share with you, this really exciting announcement. I'm doing it because ultimately we can think we know who you are right now. We can think that you are a mum or a woman who is living with pelvic organ prolapse, trying to seek help in their daily life to manage that prolapse. That would be a very fair assumption, right? However, beyond prolapse, beyond your physical self, you are an amazing human being who has dreams, goals, and aspirations. I'm sharing this announcement with you just in case it lands and resonates for you. So starting next month, I am teaming up with one of my fellow podcast hosts who is in Canada, and we are teaching all of our podcasting cohort how to partner with other brands so that they can continue their podcasting dream. And then I had a little thought to myself, I'm like, well, what if there are women in our Brave Mama community who too want to try something new. My gosh, we are the prime people who reinvent ourselves. If you were a teacher and can no longer stand and walk, you have to find a new career. If you were a nurse and you can no longer lift heavy things and do your daily tasks, you probably have to find a new career. Any job that you can no longer continue means that you need to reinvent yourself to be able to find ways to earn money. I can share with you right now that I wanted to write The Day My Vagina Broke for me. I wanted to lock it in a closet and put it away forever. I didn't realize that, yes, the process was very cathartic for me, but it would be terribly selfish not to share it with the world so that we could possibly make childbirth better for our girls. And then the next thing came where my publisher told me the price to publish a book and I didn't have that money. And I was like, well, what am I going to do? I'm not just going to let it sit here now. And then I was on a mission and I found ways to raise the capital to get that book published. Now, when it sold out within three months and there was no money left, I then had to think about, well, 
how am I going to get this reprinted? And around that same time, I noticed that a guru in marketing, marketing to mums, was teaching a course on how to partner. So I was like, oh, I'm interested in that. And I got so much out of that learning that I then went on to be able to partner with the amazing Modi Body period underpants to get that second reprint. Now, it's something that I have probably taken for granted over and over again, meaning I've now partnered with big universities such as Swinburne and the University of Wollongong, big brands like Huggies, Toyota and Modi Body on multiple occasions, the beautiful Madam Flavoured Tea and the Continents Foundation of Australia, uh, Vionic Shoes. There's just been so many because I've just used that same type of formula and strategy over and over and over to work with a brand for them to be able to fund what I want to achieve. But now with our podcasting cohort, they're like, well, how do you get someone to give you the money to do the podcast that you love. And this is why we're now teaching it. I'm actually utilizing my teaching skills to be able to share that. The reason why I'm sharing that with you today is because I know you right now listening to this probably have a project, a dream, a passion, a book within you that you really want to pursue but don't have the funds. I get that. I remember the first quote I had for someone to produce my podcast was over $24,000. I thought to myself, I'm lucky to have a spare $24, let alone $24,000. There's a couple of things that I've learned along the way that I can share with you so that you don't have to, you know, kind of have the same mistakes that I made or go through the hardship that I did because I want this journey to be easy for you. We have been here together for two years now. This is coming up to two years with this podcast. I feel like our community, we know each other well enough and I know you well enough to know that you deserve better than just living with prolapse. I want you to have a fulfilling life that genuinely lights you up and gives you joy even with prolapse. So this is why we are teaching this course. It is starting in October. If you are based here in Australia, it'll be 11 a.m. on Thursday, the 20th of October. If you are in the States, it'll be Wednesday, October 19th, that is 5 p.m. Pacific time and 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Now, if you're not located in either of those major spaces where our Brave Mama community are, reach out to me via DM because we will be recording these sessions and we can absolutely share them with you. This course in particular, we are targeting podcasts. If you do not have a podcast, it's okay. You can absolutely apply these exact same principles like I did to write and produce a book or to start an online community or to do anything really. Anyone can do anything now. So on October the 20th at 11am, we are just doing a one and a half hour session. And in that session, I'm actually going to be talking through the principles on how to be a brand partner, a really good brand partner, actually. You can come along to that session just to see if this is something that one, you're interested in, two, feel like you have the capacity and the time to join. And three, even if you just want to come along for a a bit of a connection, the people in that space who are coming along are phenomenal. And it's also creating a bit of our own little community in there. If any of that is resonated for you right now, if your ears kind of pricked up and went, oh, 
I'm not sure, but I'd like to find out some more about that, please just send me a direct message on Instagram or an email and I'll send you the details so you can feel free to look at it in your own time and make the decision if it's something you're interested or not. So that's our really exciting announcement. Things are happening in our Brave Mama community to move beyond the journey of living with prolapse to living amazing and fulfilling lives because we all want that. I don't think anyone could disagree with that. And especially our guest today, Chantelle. She is phenomenal. She wants you to have your sexual health and well-being for you. You as number one. And I got that from this conversation today. What I also got is that it's really hard to record an interview with a sick baby at home. (laughs) You will notice some background noise of my son crying. We've tried really hard to do the best we can with the sound quality, but it is a bit tricky. There's also some aeroplane background noise as well. Chantelle, where she was located at the time, was sitting basically next to an airport. So I want you to probably rise above listening to those things because what Chantelle has to say as a qualified sex therapist who has a team of 20 people working with her, including pelvic floor physiotherapists for women with prolapse, she has so much amazing information to share. And the one thing specifically I want you to tune into is how to write a letter to the person that you love about your sexual health together. All right, let's jump into this episode with Chantelle. Hello, Chantelle. Thank you so much for joining us today. It's a real pleasure to be able to meet you face to face. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I think we're going to have a really wonderful chat today. I do too. I mean, I've been following you on Instagram for quite some time and I feel like every bit of information and podcast that you've been on, there's so much valuable information, especially for women in pelvic health and this sexual health space. So why don't we just start there? Can you tell us a little bit about your background and how you came to be doing what you're doing now? Yeah, of course. How much time do we have? No, I mean, it's just a journey. (laughs) I mean, I've always been like involved in a I was born into a more sex positive family and I've got a Dutch background and I went into psychology straight after school because I love working with people and I just thought, yeah, I really want to, you know, you have a natural intuition. A lot of people that go into this area, they feel like they can really read people and it's definitely something that I'm quite talented at. I've been called a witch because I really know what what is happening for a lot of people. It was a positive thing, like, wow, you're a witch, like, it's crazy. And so I did psych, and I I didn't want to be a generalized psychologist. I thought that there was something ahead for me. I probably didn't have the patience as well. I think that for me, I really wanted to work on a very interesting niche topic, and sex was super easy for me to... I guess engage with and I found it quite interesting. I guess I also thought that there was quite a gap in the market in terms of people who were talking about it in my area. I live in Melbourne but I guess in in Australia in general it was very difficult to find people more of my age demographic who were specializing and it wasn't really that that well integrated with the healthcare system I think. There were a few amazing sexologists that I were talking to who were uh, who were doctors sexologists and they were doing such a great job but I thought wow there was less than five of them that I really were, was meeting in Melbourne yeah. I thought I really need a 
I need to get in here and, and start working. And I wanted people like myself. I have a disabled sister. I wanted her. I wanted my parents, my friends to have yeah. somewhere to, to talk about this. So I did my science med degree specializing in sexual medicine. And I moved to Amsterdam because I have a Dutch passport wow. and there are a lot of okay. incredible sexologists there. It's just a, a lot more progressive in terms of sexual education and I guess the, the attitudes towards sexuality. And so I worked hard and I partied hard and uh, I, I had an internship for almost two years with my mentor Ingrid. I worked with her unpaid for a very long time just so I could really learn from experience. So it, yeah. it was incredible. And then I came back to Australia when I was at 26, started my clinic at 27. And now, wow. yeah, I'm 31 and I have over 20 staff. And I think that sexology has really picked up a little bit since, uh, since I first noticed it. It's been incredible. And that's like, really, that's thanks to people like you who are being brave, who are coming out in the open in our social media platforms and really talking about it in a way where where we grew up in the 80s, sex was a big no-no, it was a huge taboo, it was like mm. a dirty word, but yet everyone was doing it. <laughs> it mm. didn't make sense. And at school we learnt very little, we were not taught very much, so it's such a, a really refreshing thing to see, your Instagram account, and it's being talked about in an educational way, but also yeah. in a pleasurable way for women. Mm. Like, I've never seen anything like it. <laughs> that's well, that's very complimentary. Thank you. I mean, pleasure is the goal. I think we've been too long taught that sex is a goal orientated in terms of penetration, orgasm, reproduction. We really shouldn't even be talking about any of that we should just be talking about having fun and feeling pleasure you know and and feeling safe and having no pain and hopefully embodying a, a really nice experience or really hot experience even so yeah. Um, yeah I think I just wanted to really focus on the fact that it's we need to move away from a heteronormative goal-orientated point of view when it comes to sexuality yeah and that's a lot of that like a lot of the women in our community living with pelvic organ prolapse they mm. well I think and I'm speaking on kind of behalf of all of us is that along the journey we've actually had to learn our own anatomy at 35 and 40 years old plus and mm. not knowing the difference really between the basic like the basic vulva and vagina because we mm. were always told it was just one thing vagina and that's it and even saying that word was hard enough right <laughs> Yeah. So then yeah. when you go on this learning journey and you find out that, oh, my gosh, you've got this amazing clitoris and it does really good things, it's almost like a bit of a hallelujah moment for some of us in our group to realise that we can still have pleasure even with prolapse because I'm pretty sure you know this, but prolapse and sex, sometimes they're not friends. <laughs> they don't work mm. well together and it can be painful and it mm. does complicate things. And so to learn that you can still have pleasure, it's, yeah, it's really enlightening, actually. Mm, absolutely. Two of my staff are pelvic health physios. I have a multidisciplinary clinic, so we, we really work a lot with the pelvic floor. And my specialty is sexual pain as well. So, and, oh, you know, complex 
complex conditions. I think it's really interesting how many people don't know what prolapse is. I think that's a really, uh, uh, most of my friends, for example, would have no idea what a prolapse was. And I'm getting a lot of uh, my friends now who are having babies and who are starting to learn a lot more about, you know, the, the ins and outs of of our bodies and I guess the different types of prolapses that you can have too. I think one of the sad things is for people who are my age, some of them have prolapse and they actually don't know or they've gone to a, a specialist like a doctor who's actually said, no, 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 you're fine. And it's been dismissed many many times because of their age for example i mean if you think about it i don't know about you steph but for me growing up we heard a lot about doing kegels and doing exercises to make yourself tight this is with commas for anyone who's listening in yes. and really we really know now that we shouldn't be doing anything with our pelvic floor unless we're instructed by a pelvic health physio yes that's so so important and i think that's what we've got to be careful of too is that, i mean most of our listener base have prolapse we can say that probably 99.9% of our of our mums and listeners have prolapse but for those who are not sure the answer is not simply to tighten your pelvic floor to the nth degree because we know that that can actually cause issues for incontinence and a whole nother realm of issues for people if your pelvic floor is too tight. And interestingly, only going through the journey and learning through other women who have had prolapse who have said to me, as an athlete, as a triathlete, the running you used to do and the tightness of your pelvic floor could have led to pelvic floor dysfunction even before you were pregnant. Most of my uh, patients who have pelvic floor dysfunction have never had a child. Yeah. So, I mean, they're more in that younger category around like 18 to 30. I would say the majority of my pelvic floor patients are. A lot of them are more on the, I'm like too tight. So vaginismus, so sexual pain with penetration and dyspareunia. So any type of pain in the pelvic floor, deep pain, but a good chunk of them, yeah, have had prolapse through different exercises or through straining their bowels or bladder or through issues like constipation and also just other health concerns that have come up along the way, especially around muscle conditions too. So it is really, really fascinating. I guess the the range that our pelvic floors are all kind of sitting at. Yeah, and that's a hard thing to try and explain sometimes, especially for someone who's new on their prolapse journey, that if a doctor or a urogynecologist has given you a number, like a grade one or a grade two, and you've got that number in your head, it's really hard to then think outside the box. I guess what I'm trying to say is if you've got a stage two prolapse, it's hard to even understand another woman with stage three or four prolapse who has a whole different set of symptoms and a whole different set of complexities because doing Kegels is probably never going to get your prolapse from a stage four back up to a stage one. Mm -hmm. on its own mm -hmm. yeah and you probably don't even know what the what you're really doing with your pelvic floor we can say do a kegel are you actually doing it correctly i'm not sure that's why seeing a pelvic health physio is extremely important a lot of the time when we have a, a patient like this i'm usually sitting in and we're doing a double session so the physio the patient and myself at the same time you know and i think it's also it's extremely sensitive for a lot of people too i mean we're we're talking on a 
on you know the brave mama podcast but for those who aren't mums as well we have to delve into some very sensitive topics like eating disorders for example or like trauma or stress and these can bring up feelings that might not have been dealt with or conditions that might be shameful for that person which definitely shouldn't be uh, at all especially mm. not in in the environment that that I tend to hold but yeah it is a, a very sensitive topic and I think for a lot of uh, people they're going to see pelvic health physios or someone like myself and they actually have no idea what they're doing there <laughs> it's one thing going into a physio session i always say to my staff they're so expert they're really really incredible i say to them the first thing you do with an initial patient is you explain what you are what is a pelvic floor physio and why the patient would be seeing you, what are the reasons, what you're going to be doing with them. A lot of it's education, really. I love that because quite often, even in that very early stages of diagnosis, and you do go to see a, a pelvic floor physio, I don't think you can actually take a lot of the information in on the first visit anyway because mm -hmm. <laughs> quite often you've got this new little baby who's, mm -hmm. who's needing you and you've got these pelvic floor issues and you're meeting a total stranger who's probably about to either look at and potentially insert something to check. I don't know. Do your physios use like a biofeedback or some type of instrument to help them have a look at what's going on? It's it's case dependent. So really, we don't have to do um, an internal examination if that in the in the first session if the patient is not comfortable with that. We can do ultrasound, public health ultrasound. We can just do feeling in terms of hand on the stomach, that kind of thing, just to see how their muscle yeah. tension is going. You can also see, you can see from like a visual perspective how the muscles are going. So we do not push for internal examination. We really go with the patient and their pace. However, I will say that my physios are so gentle and I guess their energy is so safe that a lot of the time it's not a, a problem to do an internal examination. And I think mm. too, if women have come that far on their journey, they're looking, mm. they're really needing answers, aren't they? Yeah, 100%. And the women that you see, Chantel, do you then work with them on a bit of a journey? So obviously the physiotherapy is one aspect, but then yes. I'm interested to hear how you work with them as well. Yeah, so sexology, of course, goes hand in hand with the physical side of things. As a sexologist, I'm a therapist. I work with being a detective into your sexual life, but also your quality of life and your health and your wellness. So a lot of the time, if you've been experiencing prolapse, many people who have prolapse, they're not they kind of put themselves in this unsexy box and they think, I don't know how to be sexy anymore because I feel very uncomfortable. So my job is to really help them with that process and help them, first of all, find their sexual self again. And even if they're not ready for therapy, they can do something like my sexual self-esteem course, which helps just with that preliminary warm-up period. It's a bit of an entree, I would say, to the, the main therapy. Okay. But yeah. then, yeah, as a therapist, we come up with an individualized plan. What's going to work for you? What's going to bring pleasure to okay. your life? And when we talk about sex, I'm not talking about penis and vagina sex. I'm talking about anything that you want to put under a sexual umbrella. That might mean a head scratchy. That might mean a massage. It might yeah, mean right. just getting, uh, it, it might mean even just like spooning with a partner. 
And I think that we have to ensure that that people actually redefine what sexuality means to them. So I want anyone who's listening to go, what does sex mean to me? What do I want it to mean to me, right? Uh, And I think as well, I'm imagining for a lot of your listeners, they probably have some pretty busy lives going on as well with uh, responsibilities, work, children, you know, partners. Absolute financial responsibilities, probably some health conditions as well going on. And so it would be remiss of me to to really think that I would be able to give a, a one-size-fits-all answer. That's the whole purpose of, of my job is to make an individualized plan for that person and to be with them hand-in-hand hand against the problem. So, Chantel, I was just listening to you before and quite interestingly, I'm curious to find out when you do meet women for the first time do they often because mm-hmm. you said about the sexual identity and what it means for them do mm-hmm. you often hear the response that they don't even know like they don't even know themselves they just they too thought it was just for reproduction and that's what they've been told their whole life yes yes and I have to point out that I have a a, a gender kind of neutral clinic so I see people of all genders and orientations including trans sure. you know genderqueer so I, I think for anyone who comes in, they, a lot of them just go, I don't know. I don't know what sex means to me. I don't even know why I do sex. Why do I have sex? That's the thing. And I think that's because they're taught they should be having sex. In the, if they're normal and they're happy, they should be having it. If you don't want to have sex, you don't want to have sex. It's not my job to tell you what you should be wanting or not. But yeah. people come to me when they're distressed, right? If they're happy with not having sex, then that's absolutely fine. If they really want to have sex and they're stuck and they're feeling uh, upset if it's affecting their quality of life, their relationship, that's when they come and see me. And that's when we work on things together. And we're all gonna have a sexual concern at some point, myself included. It's not like it's an abnormal thing to have difficulties in your sex life. I think too, because it's, it is, has been so taboo for so long, people would feel that there's something wrong if they don't wanna have sex. And we hear that a lot in our community space, especially women who've got like a stage four prolapse when you open your legs and you can clearly see an internal organ on the outside mm. of your body, mm. it's, it doesn't, you're not represented anywhere in pornography because mm. they're all perfect. And I just think no wonder why people don't want to have sex. No wonder that why they don't want to have oral sex anymore because they don't mm. feel sexy. They don't mm. even feel normal, right? Mm. Someone just start to even unpack that. I have to take into consideration that there'd be people listening who've also had procedures done for this and maybe a few people who've had the mesh procedure done, which has obviously caused difficulties for uh, a lot of people, uh, so many. And I think that to get started, we really just have to reassure the person sitting in front of me that they're not alone on this journey and there are options. That's why we have wonderful things like sex toys and also that sex doesn't have to be genital orientated as well. There's so many ways to feel pleasure on the body. It doesn't have to be focused on someone looking in the area that's most vulnerable to you as well. So um, I think, yeah, I think it's more about 
me giving my patients space to freely express themselves and I always say to someone when they walk in, this space is safe for you. You can feel whatever you want to feel in here. You can be angry, you can be happy, you can cry, you can rage, you can swear, you can scream. I don't mind. Scream into the pillow maybe if there's other patients in the building. But I, I really think that um, also, also I'll have people knocking on my door. But I feel like it should be a space where you can really express all of those emotions. And it might be a few sessions of actually getting all of that out because there's a lot of grief involved in this process too, right? You might grieve the version uh, of yourself that you used to have. And it's about restructuring a new normal for them. Yes, and that makes total sense. I think a lot of women will resonate when you've just said that they've lost who they used to be and they can't Mm. no longer run, they can't no longer feel sexy or it's so many elements, they can't continue with their career even so they've got to change themselves and reinvent themselves in so many ways I don't know if you've got enough data on this one but I'd be interested to find out do you think that most women come to you who have had prolapse a bit later in life after their children do get a little bit older when they think well I've taken care of them now for so many years taking care of my partner and now it's time for me I mean I feel actually like I'm quite lucky because I work with some, you know, amazing specialists uh, that refer to me uh, for these conditions. But I, I think that in terms of people finding me themselves, then yeah it's really I don't actually have the right answer for you I I don't want to answer incorrectly Mm. as well I also have a lot of young people who haven't had children who've had prolapse as well we've got in our community a girl in the UK who's got her own support group of young girls who have not had a baby but yet have had prolapse because lots of different conditions it's not just because of one particular reason and Mm. she's kind of really driving that over there because I feel like for those young girls, there's an extra level of Mm -hmm. complexity because there's no, I think, acceptable reason. Like, oh, you've had a baby. Of course you've got a prolapse. It's like, well, you haven't had a baby. What's wrong with you? Like, you know what I mean? It must be so hard for them, right? Yeah, and I think a lot of them are probably like, why me? Why did this happen to me? And there's so many reasons why prolapse can happen before children pelvic floor dysfunction Mm. is common for a lot of people Um, but yeah I think it's it's probably I actually think that for those who haven't had children it's a lot easier for them to get their head around the process of repairing for some reason and I think it's because of the stress of having children and probably not having even like a moment to yourself and a moment to really take care of your needs. I think for those who are parents struggling with this, the stress can be exacerbated a lot more because they don't feel like they have the luxury of really having time to work on this concern. Have you heard of that? Yeah, that's a good point. I hadn't considered it, but now that you've just said it, I was like, oh yeah, that makes sense actually. Mm -hmm. did Mm -hmm. a lot more for yourself when you were single than you do now, like self-care, I mean. Yeah, well, just it's not even single. It's just before children. I think like you have a little bit more time to close the door and 
and do what you need to do. I think when you've got kids, uh, you know, as you know, as a mum and you're living a busy life and you're recording a podcast, you're going to get interrupted. So you might want to have a lock on the door or like have some time where your child can be separate, but it's also a lot to kind of get to a physio session. That's why a lot of my physios work online and and that's also why my sexologists work via telehealth as well because sometimes sitting at home and being on your laptop works better to talk about these things how good is that that positive element of having access to more telehealth it's been so good absolutely so Chantel, when someone comes in and they want to work with you and say they want to have sex with their partner and the partner's not interested anymore how can someone listening right now try and engage them their partner to come in and work with you as a couple so uh you know what it's it's super interesting and i think that comes back to vulnerability but also internalized beliefs around sexuality too and therapy and i often believe if there's a partner that doesn't want to come in it it can be difficult but if you can change yourself hopefully your partner will follow i think also if it is bothering someone i really believe in writing a letter to that partner and just really stating hey i use the compliment sandwich kind of method compliment concern you know maybe some sort of resolution another kind of compliment hey babe i love you so much as you can tell i'm really struggling at the moment and i am seeing a therapist to help me work on my sexuality so that we can engage with each other and really have a little bit more fun Uh, i really am sad that we aren't able to work on this together i don't feel like you're open just yet and it would be wonderful if you could at least lean into what i am working on at the moment you don't have to come to therapy uh, just yet but i want to be able to share my experiences with you and for you to just listen and have empathy for me which i know that you will absolutely hold space for and i'm really excited to go on this journey so that we can have a, a more sex positive future you just flow with it right that and i understand that people won't always respond well to that kind of language but you've just got to keep trying yes as you were just saying that i felt like i needed a pen and paper i'm like i've got to write this down this is so good <laughs> good thing we're being recorded good thing we're being recorded and i guess you Absolutely. could always just find a new partner if they really don't want to engage <laughs> i mean i'm joking but <laughs> As in, you know what, I actually though, Chantel, you're not wrong in terms of even if you're not finding a new physical person, if the partner that you find is within you and Mm. and buying a sex toy and having that self-pleasure just for you, even if your husband of 50 years or whatever is deciding not to come on the journey with you, then... Mm. What the hell? You don't have to stop the journey for yourself, right? Well, you're your own best sexual partner, 100%. I think that you having fun is extremely important. And I think that you you should start that straight away. Don't wait for your partner to catch up. God, if I had to wait for 
for every time my partner was home to be having an erotic experience. My partner's traveling for six days of the week. I would never be having fun. I think you've got to do what you've got to do. And I think that self-pleasure, masturbation, whatever you want to call it, is a fundamental part of your well-being. You know, get to know your new body, get to know your new normal trial out a few things that are going to work for you that might include even just using a shower head or using a wand vibrator or listening to orgasmic meditation which I really think is important actually for people who are listening in today orgasmic meditation really starts with your biggest sexual organ which is your brain and it works through how to build up your level of arousal And so I think that listening to something like, there's one by a a guy called Madison James, he's a very sexy English guy who is whispering in your ear and telling you how to touch yourself. And the orgasms that you have at that kind of meditation, I've never had something like that. It was incredible. So I really believe that we have to think outside of the box and not think about you know partnered sexual activities but think about erotic sexual activities that work for you as an individual so if we're really smashing the taboos here because obviously that's what we're trying to do Mm. i have a question for you and i'm not sure if you'll have the answer but i'm hoping that you do (laughs) selfishly it's for me and my own daughter because Mm -hmm. we grew up obviously masturbation for women in particular was a massive no-no we didn't know how to do it we didn't even know that we had sexual organs that made us feel good on the outside Mm -hmm. and so she's only quite young is Mm -hmm. there a particular age where we can start teaching young adults or teenagers about how to self-pleasure that it's not shameful and dirty and wrong Mm, I think you can start you know by uh I mean you know babies masturbate we can see some of them they rub up against things and that's normal I, I think that whenever we see our children even playing with their genital areas we don't want to tell them stop 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 we can be like honey that's so lovely tell me how you're feeling uh you can do this, but you have to do it in your room or you can do it in the bathroom. That's fine. And enjoy yourself. I think the more that we lean into probably what we were taught, no, 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 that's when we're going to start to come up against difficulties. So, for example, in Holland, you start learning about sex education from age four because that can mean things like consent around giving someone a hug that can mean what our genitals are and talking about them with the right terminology penis vulva vagina you know uh, anus (laughs) that kind of thing around that child protection type space yeah well no around pleasure as well it's not just about protection. yeah yeah yeah. it's around okay it's around learning about your bodies and it's around learning around anatomy it's about different types of families we're not just talking about heteronormative families with a mum and a dad it can be a single mum it can be a mum and a mum and dad and a dad so you start to learn these kind of more fluid concepts that we don't learn in Australia from a younger age and I think when it comes to self-pleasure you can always say 
actually touching that area might feel really nice for you and if it does feel nice i'm here to talk about it with you you can buy it depends depends on what age your child is but if you feel comfortable you can say hey i can buy you a sex toy that actually will feel really good for you and i think you'll like it you can talk about wow. things like using lubricants you can talk about looking at the vulva and going okay well what parts of the anatomy am I looking at and labeling it getting them to draw their vulva and saying what is this what is yeah. this and show them the labia libraries which is which is a gallery so it's a drawn gallery around yeah different types of labia and not feeling ashamed around what their labia and vulva looks like so there's there's so much that you can do that might sound really radical, but if you're normalising it from a young age, then it's not going to feel radical for them. I think you probably just saw my eyes opening so wide because it does feel so foreign to even think yes. about sex toy. And I think because she's only six, I was like, oh, that's way too young. However, though, potentially looking, like I've been introduced to the work of Betty Dodson in the last few years since being in this space, and learning so much at 40 plus, I was like, wow, I wish I learned this when I was much younger. Mm. But I guess you, you kind of got to find that fine line of when when is a good time to start? I mean, I think our parents didn't know when to start, so they just didn't at all. And you had to navigate it yourself. And a lot of the boys just watched it on movies or, you know, kind of picked it up from their friends. And I mm. want to be the source of information if my children want to come to me, I'm not in denial. They're probably like, mum, that's gross. Don't talk to me about it. But I don't mm. want it to be like that for them. On the flip side of that, Chantel, I worry that, say I do have a conversation with my six-year-old about her vulva and we do the mirror and the self-ex. And if she goes to school and talks about it with her friends and then those parents are horrified, I don't know how to deal with that. <laughs> Mm, yeah so I mean at six you're not going to be I didn't know what age your daughter was oh, yeah. but you're not going to be buying her a sex toy at six of course but you can show her you know uh, like the uh, anatomy and tell her what it is and say this is your vulva yeah. just so, start by speaking about terminology that works yes. and just creating a bit more of an open dialogue because then hopefully when she is starting to herself and or that kind of things on her radar when her hormones start also increasing a little bit more yes. then that's not going to feel that. it's not going to feel shame and it's not going to feel odd to come to you and talk about these kinds of things yeah but you know if you're worried about what other parents are, are going to think of you you can just say hey i'm setting my daughter up for a sex positive future and also for a safe future as well i want her to know yeah. what what is going on in her body i want her to know how to explain that how to express herself and also how to protect her from instances that she doesn't want to or a situation she doesn't want to be in a hundred percent that's even a hard one to even think about at this age because but it happens like it's mm -hmm. It's one of the things we're going to have to address as parents. If you can lean into working with or looking at even information from those kind of organisations, that will help a little bit better. I mean, obviously, I'm a, I'm a sexologist. I deal with mainly adults. That's my demographic. But, okay. yeah, okay. For, for those who do have children, you need to feel comfortable yourself first. 
or just try and lean into that comfort a little bit more and back yourself. You're not doing a weird or wrong thing. And I think that's probably what you need to address here. What is my internalized feeling around this topic? You read me. And so if people did want to come and work with you, because I feel like meeting you in person and working with your physiotherapist, I don't know of anyone else who's doing that as a multidisciplinary approach, which is phenomenal. How could people connect with you? You said you're based in Melbourne, right? I work internationally, so I travel a lot. But for my whole team, we actually have an international team. So we can work via telehealth. And I think a majority of my clinic is actually working telehealth at the moment, the physios and the sexologists. You can find me at www.chantelotten.com and you can see a little bit more of um, my, I guess, my work on there. And then my Instagram, which is Chantel underscore Otten underscore sexologist. That is so brilliant. And I love that you're working globally because our audience is global. So we're everywhere. We're for women globally. I think even just having that element really uh, reiterates for us that it's not your traditional go in, have an internal do some kegels off you go it's going to be something like a totally different whole body approach and I love that that's Mm -hmm. amazing Chantel thank you so much for coming and chatting with us today and I think having just opening that thought process I know you've probably planted a lot of seeds for us and the women in our community so I can't thank you enough thank you so much thank you so much for having me and and thanks for everyone listening in i hope i've helped a little bit but of course sexuality feeling good quality of life it's all a a bit of a journey so for anyone listening just go gently i think it's not something you have to rush into that's beautiful thanks again chantelle see ya all right so not only did i get a pen and paper out to write down the letter that Chantel talked about during this episode. I've also copied and pasted it. And if you would like those words, I can send them directly to you via email or Instagram. Just let me know and I'll send it to you. It's almost like a script, I would say, right? It's a pro forma and saves you going back and listening and trying to write it yourself. Just send me a message and I'll flick it to you. Now, Just giving a really special thanks to Chantelle for coming today. She has an immensely busy schedule. As you heard, not only 20 staff and a clinic that's international. On Instagram, she also is a major advocate for women's sexual health and well-being. And she's fighting against the norm of social media, not being able to use words like sex, intimacy, and sex toys, and all of those things. With over 178,000 followers, I feel like Chantel really has the knowledge and wisdom to be smashing these taboos with us. So we're very, very grateful for her time. Now, just before we go, this is our bonus episode, which means that next week on Wednesday is our season two final episode for 2022. So until next time, bye for now. Mama.